baseball fans. It's time to take a trip from coast to coast across Major League Baseball. There it goes, a long drive. If it stays fair, home run. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung out and missed a perfect game. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, yes, yes. The Atlanta Braves have given you a championship. Listen to this crowd. Braves and baseball talk straight from the diamond. Here's Grant McCauley. Hello once again and welcome to another episode of From the Diamond. As always, I'm Grant McCauley and after a little bit of a break following the Braves NLCS departure, it's time to get back to work and it's time to get down to the business of the hot stove and it is officially lit as we've seen quite a few moves across baseball. Not the biggest ones as of yet. A lot of players still going to be looking for new places in free agency. A lot of trades that are going to be happening. And, of course, we've seen a lot of stuff happening across Major League Baseball, including some front office shakeups, a brand-new owner in the case of the New York Mets. So all kinds of things are happening across the world of baseball. And we'll talk about some of that and everything that's been going on with the Atlanta Braves over the past month as well as we dive into this episode of From the Diamond. As always, you can find From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave those ratings and reviews. On social media, you can find the show on Twitter at FromTheDiamond underscore. I am at Grant McCauley, G-R-A-N-T-M-C-A-U-L-E-Y. On Instagram, it's at FromTheDiamond with no underscore to find the show. I am at Grant McCauley on Instagram as well. And, of course, you can find every episode of the show and so much more this winter over at FromTheDiamond.com. With all that out of the way, it's time to welcome in Gabe Burns of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You can follow his work on Twitter at AJC. We've had... I'd say some Braves news has been pretty interesting and pretty exciting in some cases, especially when we start talking about individual awards in the case of Mr. Freddie Freeman, the National League MVP. And, of course, the Braves haven't been quiet on the hot stove either. They have gotten their business started with a signing. We're going to talk about all of that. Gabe, it's been about a month since we were able to sit down and talk about some Braves baseball. How are you and how excited are you to finally get this whole hot stove exercise going? Yeah, thanks for having me, Grant. It has been a while. It's nice to be back. Uh, pretty excited about hot stove, of course. Um, things have been so weird this year, and so much has been delayed. And people like us just kind of we take a good bit of enjoyment out of MLB trade rumors and whatnot. So pretty excited to see how all this stuff plays out. Oh, absolutely! I would say MLBTradeRumors.com has been maybe my most visited site in the history of the internet. I've spent a lot of time on there, <laughs> especially around this time of year. So. That'll be no different this season. And one of the moves that they would be posting about this week was, of course, the Braves' first move, well, I'll say real move of the offseason, if you will, bringing somebody in from the outside if you don't want to count the re-signing of Josh Tomlin as the first shot of the winter. Well, Alex Anthopoulos signed left-hander Drew Smiley to a one-year $11 million contract. He was with the Giants last year. It's another short-term arrangement. We've gotten kind of used to those with the way the Braves have operated over the winter, trying to find the candidates that really fit in and even if they can't get him into that long-term contract that I know a lot of folks would love to see in the case of bringing in talents and building a club, well, they're picking, I think, more times than not, the right guys to roll the dice on. Smiley is a 31-year-old lefty, and injuries have really derailed him at times in his career. In fact, I think he spent two years without pitching in a professional game whatsoever, and that was not too long ago. 
but he was strong in his limited outings with San Francisco this year. Less than 30 innings pitched, but some numbers that really jump off the page, including about 14 and a half strikeouts per nine, an uptick in velocity, a great breaking ball. And when you look across the stat line for Drew Smiley last year, a lot of things to like. But one year, $11 million. Braves certainly needed rotation help. I would say Drew Smiley fits that bill for them. Uh, what did you make of this signing, and what do you think of the Braves going out and adding Drew Smiley to the mix for the rotation in 2021? We know he's going to have a place, but as for what all is going on around him, we have a lot to talk about when it comes to what the 2021 Braves starting five could look like. No doubt. Well, first of all, congrats to Drew Smiley because, you know, you don't pitch for a couple seasons there. You you know, you come back, you kind of show – show a little bit there toward the end of 19, then you wind up having a good year. Now, now you're making $11 million, so good for him mm-hmm. to rebound the way he has. So you can look at this a, a number of different ways. I, I feel like, yeah, on the surface, it's a little bit of an overpay. Again, it's a one-year deal. But it's not really a big deal either way. Yeah. The thing that jumps out to me most is when Alex spoke with media after making the move, he stressed that, this was a move, and you brought up you know, the strikeout rate and whatnot. He stressed this was a move that was comparable to Travis Darno, mm-hmm. and that they saw a player who has just started to scratch the surface of what he can be, which is kind of a weird thing to say about a 31-year-old. Yeah. But you know, when you look at this, it's like, okay, I can see what he's talking about. The bottom line is like they have been good enough where you can trust their judgment on this stuff. If Alex saw something in this guy and he feels like this is a player who's just scratching the surface of what he can be, that there's more to this. And really, I mean, even if he kind of is what we've seen, that's a pretty solid option for a team that really needed guys like that this past season. So I'm really intrigued by this signing just because Alex publicly, obviously he vouched for this guy. He gave him $11 million. But he vouched for him in the sense that there's more here and we believe we can get this out of him just like we did with Darno. So from that standpoint, it's kind of the Braves just coming out here and saying there's more to this and we believe that we can get the most out of this guy. So they're kind of betting on themselves. So just this signing in general, I don't think it should be their biggest move. Of course, <laughs> you don't want Drew Smiley <laughs> right. to be your number one move no, in the offseason. No, and it probably shouldn't be their biggest move in the rotation yeah. either. But you're looking at this guy, you're looking at him as your fourth, you know, maybe even fifth starter. Braves seem to think that there's more there. Where are there signs that there's more there? So I, I think, you know, you can tell me if you kind of feel the same way. I, I'm just I'm very intrigued by this just to see how it plays out. Yeah, I think it's an interesting first move for the Braves to make, and I'm with you. And we'll talk a little bit more about this about what the Braves might need to add to their rotation, as we know there will be some other options out there and available. And we know that Alex is going to be exploring all those options as well, but. Just scribbling it down in my notes here as I put everything together for the show. As of right now, we know that Max Fried is going to be at the top of that list. Mike Soroka is on that list with his comeback hopefully being sooner than later. Hopefully he's ready for spring training. Then, of course, we saw a lot to like from Ian Anderson. Then you think about where Drew Smiley fits in, Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson. One start against the Dodgers, notwithstanding for Kyle Wright, he was good in his other outing. Showed a lot of promise in his last few outings of 2020 as well. And then Bryce Wilson had a fairy tale kind of outing in the National League Championship Series against the Dodgers. So those are the names that I just have at least penciled in right now to look at for that starting five. And I do like the move to add a guy that has the kind of swing and miss stuff 
that Drew Smiley has. Now, again, I will stress small sample size. How small, you ask? 26 and a third innings, but 42 strikeouts in that 26 and a third innings. And it really seems like the Braves have been under Alex Anthopoulos looking for guys that have those kind of underlying trends and stats that would tell you that this is worth taking a gamble on. Now, last year they took a gamble on 36-year-old Cole Hamels, and we all know that that did not pay off for them. They also took a calculated risk or gamble, if you want to call it that, to a lesser extent on Marcelo Zuna, whose barrel rate, hard hit contact, all of those things really told the Braves there's a lot more here. We think we can see more of what we saw in Miami in his career year of 2017 than what he's been the last couple of years in St. Louis, and we all know how that story went. The Braves hit big on that one. They really kind of won the lottery, if you want to call it that, for a bat to put in the middle of the order. But getting back to your point about these one-year deals, that's another thing that when I look at the Smiley thing, I can't say that, well, this is an overpay and it's clearly going to be a mistake because you're not roping yourself into this for three, four years. That would be a real head-scratcher for me to give Drew Smiley a multi-year deal coming off of what has been really a comeback story, but one that hasn't really shown that he is ready to do it across 30 starts again. That is the question mark I think we're going to have to um, address, if you will, and I think it leaves another question mark in the Braves' rotation. Nothing against Kyle Wright, nothing against Bryce Wilson, but I still think the Braves need another move that's more than just depth. It's more of a this is a known commodity and this is somebody we can count on to cover some serious innings for this club because we watched all of the Braves' best laid plans for rotation depth in 2020 were exhausted by the time that they got into the postseason. No doubt. And even with Smiley, you know, I think he had a he had a finger issue and he yep. missed a month last season. I mean, you don't know. Like, this is a guy who, yeah, we like. It's a one-year deal. There's definitely, you know, they love the word upside. Sure. Everybody does. There's definitely some upside there. But you don't know that this is a guy – you know, for as much as we all kind of criticized Julio Tehran, I mean, we knew he was always going to be out there. And that's something that, you know, you can't really say for Smiley or obviously for Hamels and, and for a lot of guys. So that really is a valuable trait. So I agree that they need another guy. I think that, you know, making that one-year move, obviously this was a lot cheaper than Hamels. I mean, it's, it's going to help. I also, I think this is pretty valuable too. The Braves in general, have developed a really good reputation. They already had one, but they're developing a really good reputation around baseball for these kind of one-year deals. That if you're a guy who you're kind of stuck at entertaining a one-year deal and you're hoping to, you know, have one strong year and cash in, the Braves are kind of becoming a super appealing place for you, and that's good for, like, everybody. So we've already seen the Braves now a handful of times with these one-year deal guys, so... Their reputation across baseball just continues to improve. Again, was already pretty good, but you want to be a free agent destination. You want to be a place that people want to go to win. You want to be a place that people know that they'll get the best out of you. So just organizationally speaking, things just keep getting better for the Braves. So that's a little bit of a sidebar. But Yeah, it's really worth ahead. discussing, though, I think. I mean, because we're trying to paint the full picture of some of the moves that have happened, some of the things that have led to those moves, and, of course, what the Braves have done in-house to develop the talent that they have in this rotation. I know that a lot of it was put to the test, and some things happened in 2020, like losing Mike Soroka for the majority of the season, that you really cannot plan for that. Those are just things that they happen, and then you have to make an adjustment. Somebody has to step up. 
you have to go out and, and find other moves that you can make that might supplement that. And not to get off on a complete sidebar, but I'm just, I want to throw this in here because these are the things that you have to really think about as worst case scenarios. The San Diego Padres made a seven player trade to bring in Mike Clevenger, hoping that that would be the piece that put them over the top this year and that they could plan around him for a couple of more years to go. Well, Gabe, I think we saw the news this week that Mike Clevenger is not going to be pitching in 2021 and uh, Tommy John surgery might push him off into 2022 uh, for a comeback for him. And had Alex Anthopoulos gone out and traded, say, an Ian Anderson or Kyle Muller or Austin Riley or all three of those guys to bring in Mike Clevenger this year, think about how disastrous that would be for the Braves because it wouldn't help them at all in 2021. And then all of those assets are off the books and they go somewhere else. So I guess I say that to kind of go along with your point and also to supplement the conversation by sometimes the best moves that you make are the ones that you don't. Exactly. And Alex is, has done a really good job when it comes to kind of determining what is this worth? What is the risk? And, you know, obviously they were involved in Clevenger. Mm-hmm. I mean, they kind of acknowledged that and they weren't willing to meet the price that the Padres did. The Padres paid a pretty big price as far as quality prospects go. I don't recall the exact trade, but if I remember right, there weren't any blue chippers in that deal. It was just some like good prospects. If I remember correctly. So, but it was a lot of guys, and the Padres have a lot of numbers. And Clevenger's obviously a frontline caliber starting pitcher when healthy. So the Braves kind of dodged a bullet there. They've dodged several bullets with a handful of these guys who have been available, and they, you know, they either weren't willing to meet the price, or you know, they just couldn't, you know, whatever, match up. just couldn't get it done. Yeah, again, like this is a team that when you're winning like they are, when you're developing a reputation, you know, guys like Josh Donaldson who are really highly respected who have a lot of connections in the game, who are going to really speak well of you, even after, you know, how things ended. A guy like Marcelo Zuna, you know, we'll see how it plays out if he winds up coming. We'll get into that more later. But, you know, even, you know, Cole Hamels, I mean, the Braves, I mean, they treated Cole well. It didn't work out, and that's unfortunate. But, I mean, I can just tell you from talking to people, the Braves have a tremendous reputation. Uh, They're really – well looked at throughout the industry and atlanta is the place that guys want to live i mean it's a great place to raise a family uh it's a good place to be single uh there's there's just a lot you know a lot of guys are from the south so they like being here there's just there's a lot going for this organization now that and now that they're really i mean they were 12 outs or whatever from the world series now that things are really starting to click i mean it's definitely a place that when the braves call every agent and player is going to be excited to kind of see what they have to say Yeah, and I think that's exactly where you want to be. You want to be a destination. And I remember, and I know this was kind of when you started your run covering the Braves a couple of years ago, that a lot of that was conversation that we were having in 2016 and 2017, that winter after they moved out of Turner Field, they were heading into what was SunTrust Park, now Truist Park, of course. The conversation by the front office that is now not the front office for the Braves anymore, but uh, putting all that aside, they wanted to have the ability to attract premier players of all different walks to Atlanta because it's a place you can come and win. It's a place that's going to be nice to play, state-of-the-art stadium, all that kind of stuff. That's a selling point. And then having that core of players that the Braves have been able to produce largely inside of their organization because Freddie Freeman is a homegrown star. and Let's call him a superstar now. If you're an MVP, in my opinion, 99 times out of 100, you're probably a superstar player for at least a little bit of your career. But I think Freddie's been 
criminally underrated as far as superstars are concerned for a minute. Then you've got Ronald Acuna Jr., who's a budding superstar. Ozzie Albies is clearly a guy that can be a star player for a long time. And the Braves have that core in place. They've got other players, whether it's Dansby Swanson or whoever it may be coming up through the minor leagues. Christian Pache might turn into a pretty big deal. A lot of folks are eager to see what he's going to be able to do with his opportunity, throw in the Freeds and Sorokas and the Ian Andersons of the world and others. I mean, we could sit here and try to name off the whole roster and make a case for each and every one of them. But if you just break it down to a core of six, seven, maybe eight players, the Braves have a team that really should be in its window of contention for a while. Now, those windows are not guaranteed to stay open for any amount of time, so I think every season is precious. and Every opportunity to go to the World Series clearly precious, and the Braves were knocking on that door last year. So to make that very long story short, I think a lot of what you're saying is things that the Braves have now spent you know, considerable time and effort and some of the pain that fans had to watch firsthand going through that rebuild, which didn't last as long as some rebuilds last. You can ask the Pirates about that because they spent about two decades wandering in the wilderness before getting back to the postseason. Braves didn't have to go that long, but it still was kind of painful to watch a club that had been known year in and year out as one of the cream of the crop in the National League really struggling to figure out a way to you know, not lose 100 games in a given year. That wasn't that long ago. So the Braves have really turned a corner and have a lot of momentum going and a lot of things that should be very attractive to players looking for, in free agency, a new landing spot because they can come, be comfortable in a nice environment with a good team, and hopefully win baseball games. And I don't think you can sell that short. I mean, that really sells itself if you think about it. So Alex Anthopoulos's job, his responsibility, got maybe a little bit easier by the fact that a lot of people have rolled up their sleeves and worked very hard, and the players, of course, have done what they need to do on the field to turn this franchise around. If I were to sit here and rank free agent destinations in baseball, Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much that goes into it as far as personal preference. Uh, it's really, I think it's different from the other leagues from that respect. Like there are a lot of people who are going to want nothing to do with the Yankees. There are some people who, I mean, look, money talks. We yeah. understand that, but there are a lot of players who just, they don't want to be in that. And there are a lot of guys who would thrive in it. And when you, especially when you factor that in and you really think about it, I mean, even including New York, and even if you were to include guys just wanting to maybe live like in Orange County, I still think the Braves are probably a top five destination for free agents. Mm-hmm. When you just consider everything everything going for them here, I mean, their best player, their foundational player, the NL MVP, is from Southern California, and he's settled here, and he loves it here. And, and there's, just, there's just a lot going for this organization player-wise, winning-wise, um every, the people who know alex everyone respects him i don't think i've ever heard a bad word about him um so every, everyone loves him uh snip has an amazing reputation throughout baseball as you know the lifelong minor league guy and everything so yeah it, now that like you said it was really just you know when you when you add a credible person like that to the front office and your team starts winning and they're not only winning but they're doing it in a really exciting way they have these young guys who yeah. you know you're going to see on you know, whatever MLB show you watch, they're going to pop up just highlights all the time of these guys. And, and a guy like Freddie who gets along with everybody. So, you know, there's never going to be like an ego clash or anything with him. It's really, it's really an appealing place. And, and the argument some people listening might have is, well, when is this team actually going to spend the money to go and get some of these, some of these guys who might want to play here? 
and, and that's fair. But at the same time, uh, what they're doing now, um, it hasn't really sailed them unless you unless you think that, you know, maybe they could have made a move that put them over the top there in those last few innings of game seven. But just generally speaking, the moves that they have missed, they have not killed this organization so far. No, I don't think so. And kind of circling back, I know we we got off onto a, a tangent there and we're not trying to do an infomercial for you know free agent players who want to sign with Atlanta or could be interested in signing with Atlanta. Yeah. Look, we all know there's a lot of things that are attractive about you know, the Atlanta Braves as a baseball club right now, they are on the rise. They've won three consecutive East crowns and they got to the national league championship series last year. And they're going to have a lot of that talent returning again in 2021 and beyond. But uh, to go back to the need for perhaps another starter, I do still think that that is important. Even with Drew Smiley on board, I think you kind of have to hedge that with a known quantity, a guy that, Maybe it's an upside guy in some way, shape, or form. I know, the, like you said earlier, the Braves love that kind of thing. But at least somebody that you pretty much know what you're going to get so that you can have that stability, that continuity to add to the rotation, especially if you think about Mike Soroka. I don't have my doubts about how hard he's working to get back, but he's never had to deal with coming back from an injury like this. Drew Smiley is a guy that has not thrown a lot of innings over the past four, almost five years of his career, though he has come back from considerable injury and looked great last year. Max Freed has looked dynamite, so I feel good about him, but then you get back into the same discussion we were having late in the season, which one of the young guys is going to step up. As I went through that starting five a little bit earlier, Ian Anderson is a prominent figure for the Braves in their rotational plans going forward. However... Ian Anderson is a guy who's still going to be eligible for the Rookie of the Year award next year. So we still have those questions about, okay, he's done it, but now can he do it time and time and time again? It's fair to ask it of Ian Anderson, and, of course, it's fair to ask it of Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson and the like. So I just feel like some stability for the Braves rotation would really go a long way in the form of a veteran starting pitcher and perhaps a guy that you know may have quite a pedigree but may be available via trade and not just a free agent signing. And I'm alluding to Trevor Bauer, who's going to have no shortage of suitors for his services this winter. Yeah, I mean, Bauer, I mean, obviously that would be appealing. I, I wouldn't bet money on it, but a guy of, I hate saying even a guy of similar status, because that, that's a really high bar. The Braves should aim high. They definitely, I am, I'm with you. They need another guy. This isn't, you look at this rotation. What happened last I guess summer camp was drastic or in the weeks that followed where Fulte fell apart and Newcomb felt like yeah. it was drastic but it really did show how quickly and we went over it a hundred times it really did show how quickly depth can just go away and you just you read it off but we all love Ian Anderson you know this will be his first like full like first real season yeah pitching in the majors here and we don't know about Soroka Smiley, you never know with a guy like that. So that's just – there's a very uh, fair level of risk there too. So they definitely could use a guy who, who could just reliably cover innings. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you. I don't think Smiley can be your only rotation addition. I don't think he will be. I think the question just comes down to they have money to spend. We'll get into that. They do have money to spend. We don't know how much, but – you're really looking at point. Can you get a guy who's a reliable starter while also either retaining Ozuna or you know spreading that money to another couple bats or whatever? But 
I agree. I, I, I would just like a more of a sure thing. We could say a lot for Smiley, and he's trending mm-hmm. upwards. I would not call him a sure thing. So yeah. we, they really – you'd like to see them add another sure thing to just kind of plug into that rotation, and all of a sudden things are going to look a lot different. Yeah, I think they definitely could. If you are thinking about adding to the rotation, particularly coming off a year where you thought you had at least enough warm bodies to make your way through a 60-game season, to have as many hurdles to clear as the Braves rotation did is pretty remarkable that they were where they were when the season came to a close for them in Game 7 of the National League Championship Series. So uh, that aside, and with the Smiley signing in mind, the Braves should have some money to spend this winter considering all the contracts that have come off the books for this club from 2020. Now, what exactly that amount will be remains to be seen. I think we're still going to learn a lot about free agent spending in this winter across all of Major League Baseball. But I get the feeling that the Smiley deal was a good sign that Alex Anthopoulos will be able to go out and be active and engage these guys and won't feel completely hamstrung by simply the drop in revenues that all the clubs experienced in 2020. What's your early read on that? So I think that's fair to say. I think the bottom line is they're not giving Drew Smiley $11 million if it's going to jeopardize their chances of retaining Ozuna or bringing in another replacement. I mean, I think that's obvious. So I think it bodes well. Does it bode well for free agency in general and other teams? Well, if Drew Smiley is getting $11 million, um, that should be promising for some guys, yeah. I would think. Uh, it's not It's not like he was Trevor Bauer here. So I think that, that bodes well for everyone. We've seen before that the Braves like to move quickly. They like to move ahead of the market, like what we saw with Will Smith last winter. So they wanted to go ahead and get this done. Alex repeatedly said that this was a guy they targeted. Did they – pay a little bit more to get it done sooner i don't know that's just speculatively speaking on my part mm-hmm. i'm just saying that they found a guy they liked they targeted they went and they got him so ozuna's market on the other hand is going to take longer to develop we still don't know about the dh um you know his uh, potential replacement be that trade or free agency those kind of i mean that's probably also going to take time but for them to want to go ahead and get this thing done quickly and something that Alex has said in, in past off seasons, they wanted to get stuff done quickly so they really knew how much remaining room they had to work with. I, I don't think we're at the point that they're too concerned about their room right now like or the money that they can spend, but to go ahead and get Smiley in, to have that $11 million covered, and knowing you have X amount, X amount to use here that we can spend on X, Y, and Z, uh, that, I mean, that's obviously beneficial to them. So there was there was clear motivation to get this thing done on both sides. Yeah. And but generally speaking, I agree with you. I, I think that w- that you when you look at this deal, you can just take it away that this this team is not hurting for hurting for spending room to yeah. put it lightly. I mean, we're not sitting around knocking on the door of spring training, wondering when the Braves are going to sign a major league free agent and. That, not too long ago, was something where the Braves went through an offseason where they weren't really you know, knocking the doors down of any major league free agents of any particular stature. So there are extremes, and of course there's a spectrum, and you can fall somewhere in between that. But either way, I think it's a good sign that they were able to go out, get active early, get a guy signed. Whether or not this is an overpay, we'll know probably by the end of the season, at the very least, in the case of Cole Hamels, who are still – even into that last like couple of weeks of the year, hopeful that, hey, this money that was spent here may not have really benefited us throughout the course of the short season, but 
what if Cole Hamels is ready that final couple of weeks and can make an impact in October? The answer to that was he was unable to do so. But with Smiley, I don't think you necessarily have to you know, commit yourself to feeling like, all right, either this guy's got to win you know, 15 games and put up big numbers, or he's going to be Cole Hamels and we're going to be disappointed. He could come in and have a perfectly good season and just help the Braves rotation and get him through. And I think everybody would be happy to see that, particularly considering what we watched for the majority of 2020. So with all that talk about the starting rotation in mind, that's going to be something for Alex Anthopoulos to concentrate on as he goes out this winter and figures out where he wants to spend his money. Now, perhaps the biggest place the Braves can spend their money is a middle-of-the-order threat to bat behind Freddie Freeman. Marcelo Zuna is a popular choice, and he should be. He nearly won a triple crown in 2020, and if the DH is going to stick around in the NL, I think that he's the ideal choice. The Braves are going to face some obvious competition for Ozuna's services, especially if the other National League teams have the same need to fill at DH. Anthopoulos is in the same boat as he was a year ago this time with Josh Donaldson, But Ozuna, as we know, Gabe, is over four years younger than Donaldson. So for sizing things up that make me feel a little bit more comfortable about a long-term deal, that's certainly toward the top of the list. Then you put in his all-star level production in Atlanta, and that has me pretty convinced that Ozuna would be worth that investment. What's your early impression of where the Braves stand with Ozuna or finding a worthy replacement for him, and how high should that be on their list of priorities? Is that, in fact, the number one thing that Alex Anthopoulos has to do this winter. Yeah, I agree. I feel a lot better about paying Ozuna than Donaldson, and I liked Donaldson. I feel better sure. about paying Ozuna. I'm the one who said, you know, even if that wasn't going to be a DH for one more year, depending on what we're looking at with Ozuna, I might bite the bullet. Uh, again, I'd have to know how much money it is, how many yeah. years are we talking, you know what. I mean, there, there's a lot in play there. I don't necessarily think they view it that way. I think the DH is pretty important to all this. Mm-hmm. But, I, I mean, no, the production speaks for itself. He was a great fit. I think that when you've done it back-to-back years with these one-year deals, I don't necessarily want to gamble again. Like, you've got two, like, all-star worthy players on one-year deals who fit your team perfectly. And then you're going to gamble again to try to get another guy to replace Ozuna. And maybe it's, you know, people have thrown out uh, Jock Peterson. People have thrown out Nelson Cruz. Yeah. If the DH does stay exactly. and Ozuna wants it, yeah, if he gets a bigger offer somewhere else, you know, Cruz, who somehow keeps doing this, um, <laughs> he would be a logical one-year guy. And, and I think if we – obviously we know the DH is staying and – Ozuna winds up getting a big offer from the Mets or somebody, I would be the first. I think that would be a great move. So there's still a lot a lot in play. The DH stuff is, is a huge deal. That's going to really determine a lot of his market. We'll see how things develop for the upper-tier free agents, but I, I think Ozuna will be paid, and I think he deserves to be. You, you come off a year like that, for a, you perform in the postseason, you know, you're doing it for – one of the best teams in the league. I mean, I would like to see the Braves keep him. I think they should keep him. Uh, we've done this dance before. We So if they wind up losing him, there are definitely a lot of alternatives. Uh, none will excite you like Ozuna. That's okay because Ozuna didn't excite people like Donaldson did anyway. So yeah. as long as you pick the right guy, it doesn't matter. So I would say definitely, I've said this before on here, I think the Freddie extension should be Alex's number one priority this okay. offseason. I just feel like that's something that just needs to be done. Uh, you need to go ahead and get your franchise player locked in, take care of him, 
because that also locks in how much you're locking him down for the future of your payroll. Yeah, cost certainty. So I, I, yeah, yeah. So I think that's a big deal when you're when you're looking at Ozuna. Like, how much are we going to be paying Ozuna? We're also paying Freddie X amount. I just think if you're looking at longer, multi-year deals, it would be a big deal to just go ahead and have Freddie's number in there so you kind of know what you're working with. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about Freddie Freeman and that extension in a moment. I wanted to throw out a number, a contract number, that is, that I thought might be worth looking at, depending on if you've got the DH happening across all of baseball. If, that's, if the DH is universal – in 2021 and beyond, and we don't go back, which, by the way, I think we're going to have the DH in 2021. I know there have been some conflicting reports and ideas that, oh, well, they haven't decided that. It may go away. And a lot of articles written about, hey, what are the new rules did you like and which ones do you want to see come back? DH is at the top of my list, and I forget who it was that threw it out there, and it's probably not unique to just one person, but somewhere on Twitter about a week or two ago I was reading that does baseball really want to bring back a group of players that so woefully underperformed in 2019 as a group and then take an entire year off of hitting? And this, of course, I'm talking about pitchers. And then you're going to ask them to start hitting again after a year off and expect that to be a quality product. I, I think that's a legitimate question and a very good argument against you know having pitchers come back and hit. Now, the yeah. traditionalist raised in baseball and around baseball for so long and thinking about some of the strategy aspects, I understand that, and I respect that, and I know why people feel that way. It may not be the way that I currently feel now about it and why I feel like a DH just makes a lot more sense, but whatever they decide, they're going to have to do that, I think, sooner than later. And I would imagine that the time that they would normally want to do that would be, say, the winter meetings, which are not happening physically this year, which would be about, what, three weeks from now normally, I would assume, and assuming is a very dangerous thing with Rob Manfred's Major League Baseball, that they would announce this so that clubs know exactly what they're looking for and that the Players Association would also want clubs to know, hey, there's a DH, it's in the National League, again, it's here to stay, and that's 15 spots that you have to think about as those clubs that you might want to look at some of the premier free agents like a Marcelo Zuna. So I think we're going to have the DH in 2021. I think it's here to stay, and... I just feel like clubs should probably know that and should have probably already been well aware of that heading into the winter, but it kind of is what it is. And I think you just have to proceed as if you have to put the best team on the field and decide perhaps if you're some club, including the Braves, would you mind Marcelo Zuna playing in your outfield? And that's a very viable question when you consider some of the limitations that are built into him as a complete player. Yeah, and like you also look at Adam Duvall. Yep. How do you want to use him? And if Ozuna's going to be in the outfield, and obviously the defensive questions with Ozuna, we've gone over those before. And you know, it was a smaller sample size, but obviously he played a lot better as a DH with the Braves than he did when he was in the field. I don't think it's any secret that he probably prefers at this point to be a DH yeah. and not have to play out there. You know, I would have to see the numbers and see what we're looking at here. But I, I'm just saying I would not rule out keeping him, even if that were the case. Again, I'm with you. I, I don't think it will be. It makes all the sense in the world yeah. to get this DH thing done. Uh, you, you laid out some very good points. To be honest, I can't really fathom a scenario that we're seeing pitchers hit again. It would behoove baseball to have that announcement like ASAP. Yeah. It, it's something that should have already been announced. Mm -hmm. uh, you just went over it. But it's not doing these guys any favors. It's not doing teams any favors. 
And, you know, just given where the sport is, <laughs> they need to just go ahead and get the DH thing done. And some of these guys like Ozuna and Cruz will, will see their markets develop pretty swiftly after that. Absolutely. And it'll be the certainty of the club knowing that they can plan around using this guy as a DH and not having to wonder, well, are we going to have that available to us? And that's something they got to figure out. So before I, I got all off into whether or not the DH will be back and what I think and what you think and what we hope to hear sometime soon, I was looking at similar cases to a Marcelo Zuna in recent history and what we could expect if you're crafting what a Marcelo Zuna contract would look like. And the name that popped into my head and just doing the association with a guy who's mostly known, I think, at this point as being a DH could play some outfield for you if you need him to. But for the most part, DH is going to be the spot for him is J.D. Martinez of the Boston Red Sox. Now, he had a split year in 2017 between the Tigers and the Diamondbacks in his age 29 season and then cashed in for a big five-year deal with the Boston Red Sox. It was five years, $110 million. Now, Martinez and Ozuna are pretty similar in my mind anyway, and particularly considering that Ozuna just turned 30 a week or two ago and the age 30 season in which Martinez debuted in Boston – he had himself a monster year. Ozuna's coming off, albeit in a shorter schedule, a monster year. There's a lot of similarities there. So am I crazy to think that five years and $110 million would be an attainable deal and a good deal for a guy like Marcelo Ozuna who has just entered his 30s and would appear, just based on what we saw, to have a lot to offer a club offensively? I don't think you are. It depends on where all these teams are financially. Again, yeah, there's just so yeah. much like depends on with this kind of stuff now. Well, call it in a normal work. year, which this is not a normal yeah. year. But just if you size it up and look at the two of them and that contract and the ages and the production and all the things that go into it, I think five years and that's an average annual value of twenty two million per year for five years. Now we haven't had the Freddie Freeman discussion yet, but. I would imagine that for Ozuna, who made, what, about $18 million on the uh, qualifying offer-esque deal that the Braves gave him after he rejected it with St. Louis, making $22, mm-hmm. $23 a year is probably what his representation is going to be looking for, is it not? No doubt. And I think he could still get that, even in this climate. It only takes really a, a couple, couple teams. of teams. Yeah, to, yeah <laughs> that's all he needs. And yeah, that would be tough. I don't like five-year deals in general, unless you're paying one of your own guys, Mm -hmm. typically. And I guess Ozuna is one of your own guys, but that would definitely be worth talking about. And again, you know, the Freddie contract, there's different stuff. But if you look at it just based on AAV, that's more than fair. Yeah. At 22, it's just when you're tying yourself to somebody for five years, it's not something that we have seen this front office particularly excited to do. I wouldn't rule it out, and I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. But, no, I mean, for him, I think that that's fair. And J.D. Martinez, which, by the way, I guess I think he's got like one year left on his deal. So yeah. a, a trade candidate, maybe. You know, I, 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 his numbers were pretty bad this year. I'd have to look at that. He's making a lot of money, too. Maybe a one-year stopgap option i have to look more at it but it, it would be a serious bounce back i've got his numbers pulled up right here he batted 213 yeah. with an ops under 700 oh. ops plus of 81 this year only seven bombs for jd martinez who first couple of years in boston 43 homers and 36 homers hit well over 300 both years with 900 plus in fact a 1000 ops his first year in boston so at age 32, ran into a pretty tough year in 2020 and decided not to opt out of his deal 
and he has two years left on his contract as well. So it would be a sizable chunk of change to take on a bounce-back candidate. I don't think that's going to match up, at least not for what the Braves are looking no. to do, unless Boston is willing to pay that freight. Yeah, no, no, that that's out. But that's also an example of what can't happen with some of these guys. There you go. You know, when you give them these multi-year deals, and because J.D. Martinez was, you know, a top three or whatever hitter on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now you look at what's happened, you know, can he wind up bouncing back? I don't know, but I can assure you that Boston is not thrilled about paying him that deal. And that's a big market team. We make the jokes about them trading Mookie and all that, but, but still for, you know, if the Braves make that kind of mistake, it hurts even worse. So, you know, and that's, it's good that his name came up because he does show, I think Ozuna is right to demand that type of contract. And it also does show the risk that can come with right. that. So, It'll definitely be interesting to see where Ozuna winds up. Yeah, and keeping in mind, for whatever it's worth, the Boston Red Sox also won the World Series the first year that Martinez was there. We'll put all of the other caveats that go with that to the side because obviously there's some discussions about the 2018 World Series and the 2018 Red Sox that have been had, and we're not going to rehash that right now. However, uh, it's both an example of the kind of deal that Marcelo Ozuna could be looking for, and it's also a cautionary tale for even if it starts out great, it may go wrong. But also, I kind of circle back to this, even with the Cole Hamels discussion we had a little bit earlier. You can't let one bad deal make you gun-shy about ever giving out another deal or ever taking another chance on another player because these are all different guys. But, you know, the 1980s Braves had a lot worse luck in free agency, I think, than anything we've seen since. So I wouldn't be too overly worried about it and let J.D. Martinez talk me out of the idea of Marcelo Zuna, but the DH is the key in all this. I agree with you on that. If you're going to spend $20-plus million on a player for multiple years to come in, you want to know that he has a clearly defined role and that you're paying him and playing him to his strengths. And Marcelo Zuna at DH for the majority of the time is definitely a strength for Marcel and a strengthening point for the Braves as well. But let's dovetail that discussion about what Ozuna could get, could be demanding, and, of course, what the Braves have on deck to think about and what you mentioned should be their number one priority and that is freddie freeman the national league's mvp as the braves head into this winter with a shopping list that we've discussed quite a bit about on this show they're going to need that other slugger maybe they need another starter a uh, late inning reliever i think could be nice as well but the extension for freddie freeman has got to be a priority he's in the final year of his eight-year 135 million dollar deal from 2014 the largest contract in atlanta braves history and I think he's in line to get himself another multi-year deal that would be, I think, at least five years, if not more, for Freddie Freeman. I don't know how much you've gotten a chance to think about this or if you're you know, working on something you'll be writing this winter. What does the perfect deal for Freddie Freeman look like? And how important is it to the Braves to get that deal done? Well, you mentioned that being the largest deal in team history. Pretty good deal. I think they no got doubt. their money's worth on that one. That one worked out. A lot of times when we mention these these long-term deals, guys like Cabrera or even, you know, like we just touched on J.D. Martinez and everything. I mean, that deal for Freddie was pretty good. Yeah. And obviously they paid him when he was younger. Yeah. So that's a big difference. But I don't want to say what necessarily the perfect deal is. I literally, I just said I don't feel good about five-year deals. Mm-hmm. I would with him. For sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, no doubt. And let me throw uh, this in there real quick before you mm-hmm. go any further. Just in terms of an age thing, Freddie Freeman is basically one year older than Marcelo Zuna. So all the things that I just said about Marcel, 
just turning 30. Freddie just turned 31. So he's still in what I would consider to be his prime years. And if you're looking at a five-year deal for $110 million for a J.D. Martinez and or maybe that's what a Marcelo Zuna looks like, I would imagine that the floor for a Freddie Freeman extension with the Braves would be five years and $110 million just going off of our conversation we've already had. Yeah. What was the AAV on his last deal? It was kind of tiered. Mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, so it went, it started in 2014 at just over five, then eight and a half, 12, 20, 21, 21. He made $22 million, which of course was prorated uh, for this past season. So it's $22 million is what Freddie Freeman is making in 2021. So $22 million for Freddie Freeman per year. So five years and $110 million is $22 million per season. So that's worth maybe throwing that out there. Yeah. I mean, that, he deserves more than that. Right. Yeah, certainly. And I know a lot of people kind of think that he's going to take a discount and he very well might. He does not owe them a discount. I agree. Um, that, I, I, that is not, that's a bonus, but they, they're not, and they're not going to, it's just fan and media banter, but they're not going into that deal with the expectation. He'll take a discount. They, I'm, of course they're going to ask that they're, they're going to hope, but you, that's just not, Again, might end up doing it, and, you know, good on him if he does, but he has done so much for this organization that he deserves to get paid accordingly. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't want to sit down and just recklessly kind of throw out numbers, but I would love to hear your take on maybe what you would think would be a fair deal. I'd certainly go five years. I'd go six. Yeah. Yeah, AAV-wise, is he going to want 25 is it going to want 27? Oh, I mean, what do you think that we're going to wind up looking at here? Here's a couple of different ways that I would look at it. And this is just thinking about it from just the germ of an idea of what it could. And clearly I have no responsibility whatsoever for assigning contract values to players, including Freddie Freeman or anybody else on any tier, MVP or not. But Freddie Freeman's deal ending up with a $22 million per year basis and we're heading into what will be his age 31 season. So you're thinking about if it's a five-year deal, it's ages 31 through 35. Now, I'm sure that people can research and look at, okay, who are the players, star players, and how have they aged? And typically when do they start to kind of hit that wall where invariably time comes for every athlete? I mean, father time is undefeated in that respect. And Freddie Freeman will, of course, be no different. But Is he going to age quickly like a Miguel Cabrera who was going along until it kind of fell off? Or might he age more like a Chipper Jones who did miss some time each and every year, but for the most part, Chipper was just such a complete hitter. And, of course, he's a Hall of Famer, so that uh, will tell you everything you need to know about Chipper Jones. But, you know, he was a valuable player throughout his career all the way into the age of 40. So we're looking at Freddie could be playing for another decade, and I'm sure he'd like to play for another decade, I would imagine if he has his druthers about what his baseball career and his legacy will be as a individual player. Chipper Jones, by the age of 31 years old, was the last time that Chipper Jones played 150 games in a season. That's just one example. I could pull up a whole bunch of other guys, but Chipper, I believe, before Freddie, had the largest contract in Braves history when he signed his initial extension. I do think that 23 to $25 million per year would probably be the annual average value for Freddie Freeman. I would be comfortable with five years minimum, six years, seven years perhaps might be the way to go. I just don't know that they're going to give him another eight-year deal unless it involved vesting options and other things that would build in those years. 
based on maybe where Freddie's health is and how much he's able to play. What do you think of that? I think that anything around 25 is a huge win for the Braves. And obviously for Freddie, too. I mean, for making $25 million a yeah. year. That'd be huge for the Braves to have that number locked in if it's 23, 4, 5, yeah. just to have that laid out. You I mean, it's not going to It's not going to be less than that unless they were to put out perhaps a signing bonus to Freddie up front. But this doesn't really feel like the winter of signing bonuses, but I could be wrong about that as well. Well, I agree with you. Five years or seven years sounds right. It kind of feels like maybe the best thing is to go five with this and then take it year to year. But at the same time, maybe Freddie wants to just go ahead and go seven, and they want. I have no problem with seven. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know that I'm with you. I don't. I don't know that either side would do eight. They wanted to do seven. That makes sense. I mean, maybe can they even front load the contract? Is that something they'd be willing to do? Yeah. Maybe not because of how they're trying to spend their money. But I think that would probably be a smart move, depending on how much flexibility they have. So there's a lot that goes into it. But I think in general. The number that everyone seems to keep coming back to is around 25. So we'll kind of see what happens there. But I would generally agree with you that around that 25 number and either a five or five to seven year deal. And if they did five and then just take it year to year after that, that'd be fine. If they did seven, I think that'd be a big win for the player and organization too. So it just feels like there's a lot of a lot of ways for both sides to win here. Yeah, and maybe you start looking at it like the five- or six-year deal that's the big extension and kind of his last, air quotes, big contract, like long-term contract. And then Chipper, when he was done with his extension, which was signed in 2000, you know, he signed a three-year deal, I believe, after that. And Freddie Freeman could very well come out of a five- or six-year deal and sign a three-year deal, and it would make sense. And then maybe if he wants to go year-to-year after that into his late 30s or, or to the age of 40 or whatnot, and we don't know how long Freddie Freeman's going to want to play and what's going to happen over the next decade. It's impossible to predict that for even players having the best careers. It has to play out on its own, and you just have to make these investments and hope that they work out if you're the team. And clearly for the player, you know, they want to play at the highest level they can for as long as they can and want to be paid commensurate with uh, how good they are. So as I put out that number, just uh, the 23 to $25 million, I think that's the area that you're looking at as a starting point for Freddie Freeman. If you're coming onto that lot and being serious about buying that car, if you want to call it that, that's the kind of offer you're going to have to have in mind at minimum. But it may cost more than that. They could front load the deal. So maybe Freddie makes $30 million for the next three years. And then unlike his other contract, perhaps it tears down from 30 in the first three years to then say a 25 and then a 21 and then maybe an 18 and all of the money kind of adds up to the same thing that it would have, but by loading it up into the front of the deal, you're not as concerned about paying 36-year-old Freddie Freeman $30 million. And I think this is where the Tigers got in trouble with Miguel Cabrera, to go back to your point. Yeah, no, I actually love the idea of front-loading it, especially because this team, just given how its roster set up, we don't know how long windows are open. Yeah. But, you know, it's kind of crazy to think that Acuna and Ozzy are not close to their primes yet. Not at all. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, with the pitchers that you have, and we'll see because you assume they're going to want to get an extension done with Freed at some point. And you're going to be extending other guys, but while you kind of have a little more room and some of these guys are cheaper, I, I think it would make sense to go ahead and have, you know, have Freddie front load that deal. And like you said, as he gets older, you're paying him less. That's just 
I mean, that's logical. It's it would be better, but at the same time, if you depending on where their finances stand at that point, I can kind of understand yeah. either way they want to do it. But definitely, it seems like we kind of agree on the general idea of, of where this deal should be. Yeah. So looking at Miguel Cabrera's earnings in his career, and I would have to go back and look at, and Baseball Reference is really good about this. At the top, it'll have the contract that they are currently signed to. Then you can go down and get the information. So an eight-year, $240 million deal that he signed in 2016 or to take him from 2016 to 2023. So now if I go down and look at it, you know, Miguel Cabrera made $28 million each of the first two years, then $30 million for three consecutive years, including 2020, which, of course, that was prorated. But he's due another $30 million next year and then $32 million in 2022 and 2023. So it's a little less... I guess as extreme as I thought it was, but twenty-eight million dollars early on, thirty-two million dollars the final year, four million at this point. When you're talking about a two hundred forty million dollar contract, I don't know if that's much to squabble over. When you spend it, you're on the hook for the whole amount either way. But I was just looking at his overall trajectory as he earned between 2010 and now. He was making twenty million dollars for a couple of years, $21 million for a couple of years, $22 million for a couple of years. That was a different contract. But once he signed his extension, and I know why the Tigers had to do it at that time, but it was going into his age 33 season, and he was just a perennial MVP candidate and one of the best hitters on the planet, they didn't feel like they could let him walk. And then at age 33 to age 37, regression came calling for Miguel Cabrera, and he went from being one of the most valuable players in the American League and one of the best hitters in baseball to a guy that as of 2020 and really as of 2017 has had cumulatively a negative wins above replacement for what's running on a four-year span when you add it all up. He's not been a very valuable hitter. He's run into injuries. He's run into all kinds of stuff. And I don't say this to like scare people away from Freddie Freeman by any stretch of the imagination. It's just you have to have an open mind for all of the possible outcomes for this deal and nobody wants to see this particular one if anything i'd like to see an outcome much more similar to chipper jones who we were discussing earlier who was a valuable integral part of everything the braves did for two solid decades yeah and, and you look at you know first baseman you kind of look at what's happened with Votto, yeah cabrera pujols i mean these were guys who were I mean, they're generational. We throw around generational. Well, especially Pujols and Cabrera definitely will. And And Joey Votto was a star player who won an MVP himself. So these are not any old guys. These were some of the best hitters in baseball. Yeah, they were as good as it gets in their primes. I mean, so I guess, yeah, this is one of those times you actually can throw around generational because those guys truly were just otherworldly. And you look at what's happened to them. My opinion, I think that Freddie will age really well. Uh, Just – knowing how he takes care of him but you you don't know right right um you really don't know how these things play out i tend to think that he will age well and when you when you're making a commitment like the braves will be to him you're going to be betting on him aging well too but you know did anaheim think that pujols was going to age better than he did I, i mean you look at these situations there's a lot of factors at play, and, and it does. I guess it does help that we are seeing athletes perform better in their you know later ages now, as science continues to evolve and whatnot. So it's just it's a risk you take when you extend a guy who's in his 30s. I mean that's just part of the deal. But I can tell you that 
I think a lot of people would happily bet on Freddie Freeman, and that's just a risk worth taking for this franchise, just like Chipper was. And let me throw out just some numbers, just for comparison's sake, on the Chipper Jones aspect of this. He put up, according to baseball reference, and Fangraphs shouldn't be that far off from this, uh, he was worth about four wins above replacement per season from age 31 through 40, so the final decade of his career. So any way you want to slice this, Chipper Jones was still a valuable player. At that time, he only averaged for the final 10 years of his career 121 games played per season. So that's just something you have to keep in mind. Freddie may not be Mr. 162 anymore. It may just have to be whatever it is per year. So we'll see how that plays out. But long story short, Chipper was a very valuable player in his 30s. I think Freddie Freeman certainly has a chance and a very good case to be a very valuable player in his 30s. Yeah, if I'm the Braves, I feel okay about it. Especially now you've got, I mean, will will the DH help? I mean, rest his legs a little bit. You know, Cabrera and Pujols had it too. But, mm-hmm. again, when you know the guy that well, like this organization knows Freddie, I feel good about giving him a long-term deal and seeing how it plays out. Yeah, well, let's wrap this thing up by talking about a little bit of hot stove outside of the city of Atlanta as, once again, and we've heard this the last couple of years in relation to possible trade partners for the Braves, the Chicago Cubs, rumored to be perhaps moving some of their players this winter as they enter the end of, or they are at the end of what I would consider to be their window of contention with the group that they currently have on hand. And unlike last year, it does really feel like the winds of change are blowing at Wrigley Field. They did make the playoffs this year. They were bounced, of course, by the Marlins. But the big news of the offseason, at least one of the big stories, as far as executives are concerned, Theo Epstein has stepped down and is no longer in charge of things in the front office for the Chicago Cubs. Jed Hoyer is inheriting a roster that does have talent, but it has a lot of question marks on the payroll side of things, money-wise, and some players that are on the cusp of free agency. I know we talked a lot about Chris Bryant a year ago. It seems like a lot of clubs were talking about the possible Chris Bryant trade this time last year, and it seems to be all the rage, but Bryant had himself a really rough 2020 season, more injuries for him. And if you're asking me to look at the different players the Cubs have that would fit into what the Braves need, I like the idea of you, Darvish, maybe Kyle Hendricks as kind of a secondary target, but really Darvish as a guy that the Braves could add to their rotation to kind of bring his full circle to the things we've talked about on this particular show. And I think that the Cubs line up as good or better with Atlanta as a trade partner this year than they have at any time in the last couple of years. Yeah, I saw you tweet about you, Darvish. Uh, within the last week or so and it it really I got to thinking about it more and more and that's a guy he would be near the top of my list I really like you Darvish yeah obviously you know could have won the Cy Young this year great teammate everybody really likes him he kind of fits the mold of the guys that that the Braves like to bring in especially um, you know to have that kind of veteran guy too in the rotation I know we always talk about that but to have somebody of that caliber um that would be a big deal. And I think the Braves and Cubs do match up well on a trade. I agree with that. I think the Cubs should uh, start at least a somewhat of a teardown. They probably missed the boat on Bryant last winter, given how this season wound up playing out especially. They probably should have gone ahead and moved him last winter. I still think he quite possibly gets moved, but I would not be one of the people too excited about that right now. So he could get moved. If we're talking about unloading money, I think that Darvish, you unload money, and you can still get a decent prospect return. So I think that one makes sense. So, yeah, I, I would love to hear more from you on what's so appealing about Darvish. But also, 
when we talk about how we never know how long windows are, mm-hmm. there are very few examples better than the Cubs in baseball. <laughs> this team was supposed to just be dominant for a long time. And you're not going to see the Braves make the stupid financial moves that they made. Yeah. But they got the World Series. Exactly. That's all that matters. Congrats. That's what they wanted. Mm-hmm. That's fine. It's great. Within the next few years, you know, you're getting knocked out by the Marlins. So life comes at you fast in sports, right? <laughs> it, it does. I mean, and the Marlins are were a good team, and they certainly earned their spot in the playoffs. And they may not have been, you know, up to the task of say knocking off the Braves, who've been a team that have had the Marlins number for quite some time. But that Cubs club, and they got their World Series, and I, I think that's the most important thing to look at for the Chicago Cubs above any and everything else. Because not too long ago, about six years ago. The Cubs were a club, much like the Braves were in, say, 2014 through 16, that was probably going to lose 90 games. And all of a sudden, they began to turn things around. When Joe Madden came and took over as the manager of the Cubs in 2015, they automatically, that turnaround, which, of course, involved a lot of the talent on the field, but 97 wins, 103 wins, 92 wins, 95 wins, 84 wins in 2019. So we kind of saw them as they dropped back into third place in the National League Central, maybe showing those signs of not having all the answers anymore. Of course, Madden left after that season, and they have made their change to David Ross. They were 34-26 and 26 this year, a pretty good run in the Central. They won the division again, lost in the wild card round. They lost the wild card in 2018. They had that NLCS appearance, of course, in 2017, were bested by the Dodgers. But winning a World Series, of course, is what the Cubs are going to hang their hat on for that period of time. But you just have to kind of be realistic, I think, about where their roster is right now. And where that roster is, is a bunch of players that are perhaps nearing the end of their time with that club. Whether that's Bryant, uh, perhaps Rizzo, uh, perhaps Wilson Contreras. I know he's got a couple of years, I think, left of eligibility for him. Uh, Javi Baez are going to have to make decisions about because even if they're not Entering into free agency, I think that they're going to have to be, at least in some way, shape, or form, you know, considering the possibility that they're not going to lock these guys up long term. So to your point with Bryant, when is the best time to trade these guys? And now I'll kind of get into the Darvish portion of it. He's got three years left at about $20 million per on an average annual value side for Darvish with the Cubs. He has a limited no-trade clause, and I don't know where the Braves fall on that. So that could be a whole other thing. He'd have to waive that to accept a trade to uh, most clubs. I'm not sure what his list is as far as that's concerned, but he was a a Cy Young candidate in 2020. He's a guy I think can still pitch at a very high level. He misses bats. He's got a pedigree that you would like to add to a rotation that is mostly filled by a lot of guys who are under 30 and or – really just having their first bit of sustained success at the big leagues. I just think there's a lot to like about that fit. And if you're looking at free agency, trying to sign a Trevor Bauer or, you know, trying to make a deal for some of the younger, more controllable aces, even a guy like Mike Clevenger long ago would fall into that category. I just feel like Darvish is kind of in that sweet spot of an established veteran who still has a lot to offer that could just maybe put this Braves rotation over the top. What do you think? Yeah, that contract is pretty good. You know, for a minute there, you, you kind of wondered about it uh, when he had that rough first year, and now and now it looks good again. That's a good price for a guy like that. If I'm the Braves, I would be all over it. Again, you know, I don't have the list of what their options are. There are a lot of guys who are probably acquirable that we don't even know about. 
Uh, right. Yeah. So I, I think when we're talking about adding a reliable guy who's a frontline cal- at a good price, this is a guy who could potentially put you over the top. And, and you know, he gets trashed a lot for how he performed in the World Series, but that was the Astros' year. So I, I would, again, I think that's a tremendous recommendation, and, yeah. and I think he would be one of the best guys realistically that this team could acquire. And that's just kind of what I'm looking at, and this is just speculation as we do each and every winter. It's the hot stove. This is the stuff we talk about. So I just threw it out there as one that just kind of made sense to me looking at it on paper. But I could have made the same case, you know, a year or two ago for – Corey Kluber, if the Indians are going to deal Corey Kluber, would that be a guy I would go after and have him for the next three years? Absolutely, I would. When I look at what the last couple of years has been for Corey Kluber, it really hasn't been much to write home about. And, in fact, injuries have really kept him from being the pitcher he was a couple of years ago. But Darvish, he has dealt with injuries some in his career. As you mentioned, he was ineffective for the Cubs in his first year, kind of hit or miss, no pun intended on that. But with what he was able to give them in 2020 – and just knowing going forward that you could add an arm like that that has a background and a history of being a Cy Young Award contender to go with. By the way, Max Reed should be a Cy Young Award contender. I think he's showed he could be this year. Uh, he could again do it in 2021. Mike Soroka is a guy I would imagine is going to have some top five Cy Young Award finishes in his career. This is just the kind of arm that to the point that they were bringing in Cole Hamels, Although not off the kind of year Darvish is having, this would kind of be the arm that I'd like to pair with some of the young guns and really round out that rotation. Completely agree. If you're looking at a rotation where you have come the postseason, I mean, when you're down the stretch, you have Soroka, Freed, Anderson, Darvish, Smiley, not necessarily in that order, but... If that's your rotation, along with the Kyle Wrights, Bryce Wilson, Tucker Davidson, you know, we'll see about Muller. You know, he was mm-hmm. added to the 40-man uh, yesterday, and we'll, and we'll see if he makes his debut and if he comes on strong. I really think when you add a guy like Darvish into that mix, it really looks like a, a World Series rotation. I mean, it looks really good. So I, I'm with you. I'm with you all the way. You look at different guys who could be available who are – you're not necessarily exciting. It's just like, yeah, I could see that. That guy would fit. That makes sense. Darvish is – he checks all the boxes you want, and he's an exciting pickup. And, and you know, buzz. I don't know if this team needs any buzz. It has plenty of buzz, and we don't even know if fans you – know, how many fans are going to even be allowed in the stands and all that kind of stuff. But I just feel like you're right. In Kluber's case, there are things where Darvish is older. And so maybe there's a scenario that, you know, things just kind of unravel. But – I think just looking at this now, I really think that he's one of the – if I was thinking about the pitchers, I mean, realistically, I think Bauer could be realistic, mm-hmm. maybe. But if I was a Braves fan, I would be really excited if I heard that they were trying to get Darvish and if they could get that deal done. And it's just some moves they just kind of feel like there's some smoke, so perhaps there's a little bit of fire that you're going to find when you look more into it. and. Darvish just kind of appealed to me as, again, an outside person who won't be making any of the roster moves for the Braves in, in any offseason as a guy who would be worth looking into. But I don't think Alex Anthopoulos needs me to tell him that. I'm sure he's looked into. As you mentioned, there are going to be all kinds of discussions, whether trade or free agent or otherwise, that we're not really going to hear much about. And guys that may become available that we didn't know on you know in the second or third week in November might be available in the second or third week of January or the first week of February where that late trade can happen or 
some other thing can come along. I mean, there's a lot of things that will occur in this offseason, as with any offseason, and that market is going to continue to evolve, both on the free agent side and on the trade market as well. Yeah, and I mean, I think Alex, he was with the Dodgers when Darvish was there briefly. Yeah. So there is some ties there, and maybe even if you're giving a decent prospect return, you know, would the Cubs cover another few million and you wind up with them at 17 or whatever? Like, yeah. there's several avenues that I could see that deal just being like, wow, what a win for the Braves. So plenty of guys out there, but as two people who love to discuss trade rumors and love to speculate and and talk about different guys, he, uh, he's definitely one of the more exciting options that we've mentioned. Absolutely. Well, it's nice to jump back in and start talking about this stuff with you again. We covered a lot of topics. Of course, the Braves jumping into their offseason moves and bringing in Drew Smiley. That's a a starting point for them, but a lot of things are left on that offseason shopping list for Alex Anthopoulos as he goes throughout this winter, and we'll be here to talk about all of it with you. So, Gabe, I appreciate your time as always. Do you have anything in the pipeline that you're working on that you'd like to plug? I'd love to give you the time to do that right now. I'm probably going to have just some of my own opinions I'm going to be putting out there sometime soon in like a little blog type story just about the off season. Probably a lot of the stuff that uh, we talked about today, but you know what? You should read it anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. So I look forward to that. I'll probably be throwing my thoughts about you Darvish up on from the diamond.com as well. Just looking into it a little bit more and having the discussion I had with you. I mean, before we got to talking about it, really, it was just a, a tweet or two, just thinking about it and just looking at it for the first time. But, uh, you know, going back through it, discussing it and kind of seeing that this could be the kind of deal that might have legs, kind of exciting and kind of what the hot stove's all about. Exactly. All right. Well, Gabe, I appreciate all your time as always. I look forward to chatting with you again soon. I think we'll take a little break for Thanksgiving and uh, get back into things when the month of December rolls around. So I look forward to that and I hope you have a very happy holiday to you and your family. Same to you. And I think we'll uh, probably have a few more moves to talk about next time we're on. So that'll do it for this episode of the show. Be sure to subscribe to From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave those ratings and reviews. If you'd be so nice as to share it with a friend, we definitely appreciate that as well. You can follow the show on Twitter at From the Diamond underscore. I am at Grant McCauley on Twitter. Gabe Burns is at Gabe Burns AJC. That's where you can find him. On Instagram, the show is at From the Diamond. I am at Grant McCauley there as well. And every episode of the show and so much more can be found at FromTheDiamond.com. So we've officially lit the hot stove right here on From the Diamond, and we'll be keeping you up to date on all the need-to-know info on the Braves and other stuff happening across Major League Baseball as well. My thanks again to Gabe Burns for joining the show and to you for making From the Diamond part of your baseball podcast regimen. And until next time, I'm Grant McCauley. So long, everyone. Hey!